Have you seen those YouTube videos of uh, B movie, but it's the entire movie of B movie every time they say B, and it's like you know, one hundred hours long. I thought you were going to ask me if I'd seen those YouTube videos of uh, David Blaine, you know, punking those two guys way back in the day. The the classic YouTube video. You okay, should have already it. seen it. You've seen YouTube, yes? Uh, uh, there's a video on there of, it's not David Blaine. It's a David Blaine parody. And he goes up to this guy and he's like, what are you drinking? What's in your cup? And the guy <laughs> says, orange soda. And this fake David Blaine goes, what else is orange? Cheez-Its. And he pours out Cheez-Its. What and the fuck? Has- Get so out of here, bro. Cheez-Its! Yeah. Cheez-Its! You're telling me it's Cheez-Its the whole time? Unbelievable. Where does oh, orange soda go? The orange soda is in his friend his friend's mouth. Jeez. <sighs> jeez, yeah. jeez, 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 jeez. God, so, that David Blaine. So that's YouTube in a nutshell. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I am here with my roommate and great friend, Jordan Garcia. Whoa. First time we're dropping on the pod that we're roommates. Whoa. And from across the city, we've got Christopher Ritter. Hey, what's up? I'm here with my friend and my roommate, uh, Mayor Fluffernutter, my cat. Hi, Mayor Fluffernutter. Hi, cat. You had a way better intro, by the way. I mean, it was just... The, Mine was like, hey, it's Jordan. And then it was like, yo, this guy's really cool. His name's Chris. That's how it kind of felt. All right, all right. Taking notes, taking notes. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, bring you in with the energy next time. If you guys are already fans of the podcast, what up? one, thank you for listening. And yeah, what up? If you if this is your first time listening or you haven't yet uh, shown your support for the show, you can do so by liking, subscribing, and hitting that bell on YouTube for more notifications on when episodes drop, which is every single Friday. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Um, and while you're there, leave us a review. Five stars only. We don't accept anything less. But that goes a long way for the algorithm and helping new people find us. And then you can also join our Discord server which has been having some juicy conversation about the Dan Dan format, which we just K Mr. K just got the cards in and we're super stoked to like sit down and play with him. So yeah, we threw that idea out there like a few months ago, I feel like, and like, he's like, I'm going to do it. And he got all the cards for it. And not only that, he got custom Dan Dan sleeves for the, for the deck. Yeah. So it is a very sick fit. Also a uh, little side note. If you are looking to jam CDH games or you're just trying to get involved with the format just in general, Jump on the Discord server, and we'll hop on there with you and jam games with you there. We have the Spellbot already integrated and everything like that, so we can actually host games right there on the server. Totally, yeah. I guess tiny, tiny, tiny tangents. We've had a lot of people asking us about like kind of how to get into it. You know, like not everybody has access to like a CDH pod to start trying things out and stuff. So the best way I found, I think, for new people to get into it is through Discord. There's tons of groups organized. There's our group. There's many, many others. There's localized groups. There's international groups, whatever, uh, and just find some people. Everybody's super welcoming and happy to teach. So if you just need a little, you know, jumping off point, hop into our discord and you can, you know, take it from there. Beautifully said. One last side note. This is the number one podcast for Dr. Pepper and the number one podcast on the internet. Welcome to the show. Oh, what's up, Pepperheads? (laughs) (laughs) 
What's our main topic today, bro? Our main topic today is something that everybody deals with. It is writer's block. Deck builder's block. Brewer's that block. Does, yeah, brewer's block. There we go. Alliteration. I, yeah, I could not put those two words together for what Oh, I had it when you were talking about it. I oh, saved it for right, th- for right now. Wow. You're welcome. You're sneaky. And before we get to that, we have a couple pregame actions. First, we saw some new cards this week. We saw some new cards from the Wilds of Eldrain, spoiled at uh, Magicon Barcelona. Yeah, were so. you tired of all those Commander Master spoilers, or were you sad that they were gone? Well, in the midst of all that, we got uh, spoilers from a set that's coming out in the fall. <laughs> yes. Uh, while we will be in Las Vegas at Magicon for the pre-release event... Uh, it's good what to up? get our yeah. What up? We'll be there. Uh, shout us out if you are also going. We'd love to meet up with you. Uh, we are now seeing new cards from Wilds of Eldrain with some new funky mechanics that can sort of like lead us into interpretation and what we might see. We're also seeing uh, some new or some reprints as well that are also spicy because they're well much needed. So. Uh, let's just get right into it. I have only, uh, personally, I only have three cards that I really like from the new cards, the spoilers. But the first one that I believe is worth mentioning, because I want to talk about how overhyped it's going to be. It is Moonshaker Cavalry. It is five and three white pips for a flying spirit knight. 6-6. Six, six. When Moonshaker Cavalry enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. It's crazy. So it is White Crater Hoof. It is White Crater Hoof Behemoth. And thank God it's not it's a human. Because I believe it's overhyped because it does not have haste and it does not give haste. So it is less likely to be a win condition when you have a perfectly good one in green. And if you're I mean, you're already cheating this thing out, right? You're finding a way. That's the whole thing with Crater Hoof. Crater yeah, has better sure. lines because you have like natural order and you stuff also like have tutors that. Tutors in green that you don't have in white for this. Yes. So ideally, you're playing green anyway. Yeah. With this card. So uh, not only that, uh, Crater Hoof gives all of your creatures trample too. So there's like that greater chance that the damage, even if they were able to block it, is still getting through in some way, and it's likely going to kill all of their creatures in the process. This says it has flying, which you're tr- giving evasion, which means that likely your opponent's creatures are not blocking. And if you can't get the job done because it doesn't give haste, it itself does not have haste, which is a problem. Then your opponents can crack you back even harder. So you have to find even it's a little bit harder to win the game with. And I, I feel it's, like it's too nerf. I think it's it's too safe of a card. Yeah, I five and three white for that is pretty rough. Yeah, it, it, it's a 6-6 six, six flyer, so even after the fact that when it enters the battlefield and does its thing, it is still going to be a 6-6 six, six flyer to defend yourself with, but um, I just don't... Yeah, that sucks. But, I mean, that at that point, if you've shown your hand in Commander, and, you know, maybe in, um, you know, like Standard or whatever, this is going to make waves because you can just Juice reanimate it. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I, but I, you I might mean, as well... there's juicier reanimator targets. Yeah. Yeah, Atraxa being one. So... Um, that's, that's why I'm not super hot on it. Yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right to not be super hot on it. I uh, think I, I just, the one thing I will say is thank God it's not a human 
because <laughs> this would be disgusting in Winota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Winota uh, got this, it would. Yeah, it would absolutely shake the foundations of CDH because that deck would. It become, would just be like the perfect win condition. Yeah, perfect top end. It would actually that turn. That deck is already a nightmare, though. Yeah, you already have Blade Historian that pretty much does the job. But if this also hit the battlefield off of Winota Flip, yeah, yeah it's, it's game over. Insane. So yeah. thank God we avoided that. Yeah, what are your other cards? Uh, the next one, I'll save my most anticipated for last because I think it leads to more. But uh, my second one is Talion, the Kindly Lord. Two, a blue and a black, legendary creature, fairy noble, a 3-4 flying, as Talion the Kindly Lord enters the battlefield, choose a number between 1 and 10. Whenever an opponent casts a spell with mana value, power, or toughness equal to the chosen number, that player loses two life, and you draw a card. And you're naming one or two on this, and like you have to. there are so many juicy targets at either of those numbers, because you're talking about CMC, power or toughness and it's basically every win con goes through one of those numbers yeah i guess somebody could totally like run the numbers and see what the best of overall number would be but i have to imagine it's one or two i think for me like Maybe just one. off of my gut instinct i would choose one yeah it's like that's every that's like dockside, deck tutor you know well one is not a dockside right yeah it is power one, oh, one oh, two yeah. power oh, you know power, yeah, yeah. toughness or CMC. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on board now. No, that's no. I think one's the move. That's a freaking Rocco. Like, you know, yeah, that's a lot of bigger creatures that still have like a one base stat line. Yeah, like you can Drannith Magistrate and anything like that. Totally. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can stop uh, actually quite like a food chain would result you drawing all these cards until you draw interaction and then you Player can stop food chain. Like, can you draw a card. So I they wonder... would kill they would kill themselves too, right? I mean, this is a really weird card, um, but. I could see like a Demir control list where you're like, I'm not trying to win anytime soon, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> I will be proccing this a bunch of times, making the Adnaz player, you know, really sad and just holding up interaction the whole game. So whenever an kind opponent like a Nimrus. Yeah, whenever an opponent casts yeah. a spell with mana value. So if you played Trinisphere and they still went for a one, is that it would see it on the stack? Ooh, that's I'm not spicy. sure. You know, I mean, like you're making us look bad on live television. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that interaction works. Hopefully, someone in the comments can I forget enlighten costs, us. Costs work when they check. I feel like it's the last thing that happens. It's checking mana value, the value of the card as yeah, it stands. Yeah, yeah. It's why yeah, Cyclonic just, Rift like gets through Gaddick. I think it still triggers. But yeah, yeah you, tell us, tell us if we're wrong. Yeah, I think it still triggers. Um, yeah, I think. Drawing a card is not such a bad thing, and there are a lot of things with one toughness, one power, one mana value. I mean, even doing the two damage on like spellcast, like we've seen that ability come up plenty of times. Yeah, uh, one jeweled lotus away, a land and a jeweled lotus away from being on the field. True. And nope. You got a flying three yeah, four, I, so. Yeah, it, decent body, and the thing I like about it too is that, like, as opposed to being a generic value value engine or generic card draw engine. It's kind of specific. It, it kind of requires you to know what the meta is that you're playing in. Like, it requires a little bit of thought to it, too, is what I like about it. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, there's, you know, you get, I guess you could get tricky with it and have some, like, blink effects or something like that where, you know, Displacer Kitten, if you wanted to reset the number at some point. Yeah, you unfortunately, don't have the other number loops. does not stack. No, no, no. That no, would no. get really interesting. Yeah, just re- resetting it to say like, okay, one is no longer viable or one is not doing me any favors. Let's do two instead or whatever. If you ever choose 10 and it actually procs. <laughs> one through 10. Like, props. 
It is just a, it's just a weird little card. All right, what's yeah. your last thing? My last thing is Ashiok. And this is your most anticipated. Yes, it is, because I think it gleans <laughs> a little bit too much information. Ashiok, Wicked Manipulator. Three and two black legendary planeswalker. Uh, enters with five loyalty, and its static ability is if you would pay life while your library has at least that many cards in it, exile that many cards from the top of your library instead. Plus one, look at... Uh, that's the part that's juicy, right? Plus one, look at the top two cards of your library, exile one of them, and put the other into your hand. Minus two, create two one one Black Nightmare creature tokens with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if a card was put into exile this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature. Minus seven, target player exiles the top x cards of their library where x is the total mana value of cards you own in exile uh so what is the point of this card well yeah that's that's why i think like it, to have it a mythic and have it set this way i think it's far more pof- powerful than we can see now because uh like i think it's meant to be like you know send something on an adventure and then you get benefits to that you know like uh you create two black nightmare creature tokens with the beginning of your combat in your turn. If a card was put into exile this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on it. So you send something on an adventure in your main phase one and or after you create those two nightmares and then all of a sudden they're getting bigger and that's like the thing. Now we only see and we only have seen one card that has the ability of bringing cards back from exile. And this is where like this is my theory right with this card is that they're going to start dipping their toes into that mechanic a little bit harder than they have in the past uh what well, is it it's called a it's a different zone that you can play there's with. a few different effects but there's rift sweepers yeah one. that's the one Karn that can do it right um so that effect has now like yeah putting it on karn is a more modern way of that they've done it but i think that if this allows you to pay life and then exile that many cards we were talking about ways to like break it so you can Thassa's Oracle for the win or something. But I think more than anything, what they're going to do is create cards that are going to allow you to pull from exile and put them into your hand or put them back in your graveyard or something. This card will I not. Hope so. Yeah, this card will not like really see play uh, unless that is something else comes out. Yeah, something else that comes. To yeah, we're talking about this one. But you think it's this. just like hinting at a new mechanic? Exactly. Hopefully. Because okay. otherwise, this card just makes no sense, dude. Like we were talking about this, like there, it has zero payoff for having anything in exile, and then there, anything that you would want to, you know, pay life or supplement paying life by exiling cards instead, like none of those effects benefit doing this at all. Like no, it doesn't become relevant whatsoever. Like necropotence, anything like that, you never just want to exile half of your library into the void with no access of getting it back because he gives you zero way to obtain it. And like even the uh, making the two creatures that get plus one plus one counters, it's not like there are like X X's where X is the amount of you know cards you have in exile because that would be really really good. But the fact that you then need to pass the turn after creating them, send something on an adventure to get you know what two two twos that seems fucking terrible. Well, they've been talking. Yeah, well, it's just been the conversation around CDH that Draneth Magistrate is far too powerful at the moment, and so like that oh, sort 100%. of like lends to my reason right my reasoning as well because Draneth is also powerful piece in commander or in like casual commander so if you are able to instead pull a card from exile into your hand there are now strategies that can circumvent draneth to sort of reduce its influence um you know because they're creating a lot of strategies like obnix list that say you know 
whenever you deal exactly one damage exile top card, you can play that until the end of your next turn. Draineth completely shuts off all of those strategies. And I think they're trying to uh, rewind and undo a little bit of damage dealt from Draineth Magistrate uh, and how they introduced that to the game. Not really seeing how the the ripple going, effect take, would destroy. Got some deep takes. You're is, reading a lot between the lines here. I'm reading a lot, but I think this card is just the beginning of uh, us seeing more return cards from exile to your hand. I mean, I would not be opposed to that, and there'd be a lot of uh, strategies that get a little boost because of that. Okay, moving on. I want to talk about. I hold on. Oh, sorry, I have a theory about this card. It's different from Evan's theory, and the theory is that we've seen different Ashiok Planewalker cards. And none of them really have anything to do with design space elsewhere in the game either. Uh, and none of that has paid off. I think that this is another dead end, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, the only other Ashiok Planeswalker that's actually playable is the one that says players or opponents can't search their libraries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does not feel like yeah. they know what Ashiok is or does. Right. Conceptually. Um. I kind of agree more with Ritter on this one. Yeah, probably. But I would love to dream because I want to find ways to get around uh, Dranth Magistrate because it's the bane of my existence. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe this like takes over, you know, like standard or whatever when it comes out. I doubt it. But yeah. Whatever. I think those two nightmares are valuable that it creates. Um, okay. So the other fun thing, much like uh, the Brothers Whore when they did all of the artifacts, uh, as their own little pool, they are doing the Enchanting Tales, and it's a little run of enchantments. They're going to be in every single pack. There are a total of 63, uh, and they all have new border, new arts, and they're very interesting, and there's some very spicy reprints here. Um, one Evan was just talking about we needed, and we already got, Greater Oromancy, Huge Reprint, Curiosity, Ristic Study, Necropotence, uh, Smothering Tithe, Aggravated Assault, Doubling Season, uh, and tons more coming down the pipeline. So those are some very big reprints. We already saw... What doubling season is now coming out in Commander Masters and this, as is Smothering Tithe as well, no? Yeah, I think that hurts Commander Masters sales a little bit. Oh, I think they already dropped when those came out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think these cards that have been just historically very underprinted and very expensive uh, are just saying back-to-back reprints. Probably going to tank that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one, as far as reprints go, that are tanking is probably Smothering Tithe. And I feel like an idiot for buying the borderless foil from Double Masters because that was the first reprint we like legitimately like, saw. Meaningful. Yeah. You know, and then they had the big hand with all over the coins, such a cool artwork. Uh, the Judge Foil came out just before that, but that wasn't meaningful. And then all of a sudden we're So getting, Smothering Tide is looking at like twenty right now, right? Yeah, this I like this Sub my prediction. 20, with, yeah, with this, I think it's gonna be below it. Yeah, it's uh, it's around 20 or sub 20 right now. And then uh, I think this the point of this is to bring Smothering Tithe back down to its original like $10 or sub 10 range. Because we saw how prevalent all the Mystical Archive stuff was. And I think that this these, uh, I guess, what do you what do you call them? Uh, enchanting Tales. Well, yeah, yeah, these Enchanting Tales, like, these little supplementary um, sets that they're sort of throwing into the yeah. standard rotation are actually really nice to bringing down uh, the, the ultimate value of these cards, too. Um, the other thing I want to shout out about these is not all of them, uncertain if all of them are not, but uh, some are getting a, a additional artwork where they're getting uh, anime arts, which I'm pretty excited about because we're getting one for Necropotence and we're getting one from Ristic Study. And they look freaking awesome. 
Yeah, the Ristic study is gorgeous. And not only are we getting these alternate artworks, we're actually getting an alternate foiling exclusively for those alternate artworks. Was it the confetti foil? Yeah, confetti foil, which yeah. is another thing that has been practiced before um, in Pokemon. And now yeah. Wizards of the Coast is just feeling confident enough to like say, like, hey, we're going to take those techniques and use them for, our, for ourselves now. So I'm excited to get my hands on some of those. Yeah, 100%. I will definitely be buying the alt art confetti foil ristic study um anything else about the throne or wilds of eldraine no i i think i'm good ritter i'm good i do want to throw out for one in a green you get tough cookie and it's a tutu and they brought the food golem back shout out etv to make a food token and then two in a green to target non-creature artifact you control becomes a four four artifact creature until end of turn this seems pretty good does seem good Food strategy. I just like seeing the little gingerbread guys. It makes me happy. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of them. All right, let's move on. Talking about our main topic today, and that is Brewer's Block. I think we've all been there. Sometimes we like get super hot on you know, one deck. Maybe even we're high on it, and we just go through on a tear and build multiple decks and stuff like that, new sets and everything. And then you have the opposite end of that, where you feel like you're kind of in rut, you've been playing the same thing, um, or maybe you know the thing you're brewing on just isn't quite getting the satisfaction you wanted out of it right um so i think we've all been there and like kind of talking about how do you get there how do you get out of there you know what do we how do we approach you know that kind of mentality and uh how we get ourselves jazzed for making new decks yeah there was a lot of inspiration coming from the initial surge of us switching to proxies I think that was a very exciting time that helped me get out of a block that I was currently in. Yeah, same. I would say that. You know, um, just because the game has gotten so expensive. And that that might be one of those things that has created a block for you is, um, you know, having basically mustering the courage and the confidence to go to your play group and say, hey, the game's expensive. Like, I'm going to switch to proxies. I, I really want to make this deck, but I don't have $700 to throw at it right now. So. Yeah, I remember I remember when I first started playing, we were like, yeah, I just pretty a new deck today. I just went over to Mox and, you know, got 100 brand new cards. And I was like, yeah, it's not that expensive. Yeah, it was like 100 bucks yeah. or something. Yeah, the game's definitely Couple changed foils. a lot. <laughs> right, yeah. Um. So, yeah, they're, they're just like all these things that can feel like very defeating in the game uh, that can lead to writer's block, whether it's just like consistent losses, uh, diminishing results. And uh, you know, that ultimately ends up in you feeling lost. Like you don't know where to go. You're yeah. You're just feeling worn out. So um, what leads to that? A lot of like a lot of effort, a lot of sheer creativity going into your builds and just not seeing like, it's not necessarily that you need a win, to make the to make the deck feel justified, sometimes you just need to see the strategy unfurl, see the engine turn in, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, like Ritter, you had built the Sam's Potatoes deck, and ultimately you just moved on from it right away. How how were you feeling like after that whole experiment? Uh, it, I, I mean, I don't know if that falls into the Brewers Block. Uh, category so much is just like i played the game i i played the deck a couple times and it was just kind of dead there was nothing going on i felt bad about every draw i felt bad about every hand uh there was no mulligan could solve what was winding up in my hand uh and just it just felt bad to play uh 
you know, and and it was just kind of discouraging. Like there were there were no dubs in there. Like not even winning the game. Look, but like even uh, in terms of game actions or uh, you know pulling off interact interactions that you know something that would have drawn me in. It just wasn't there. Yeah, as a brewer, I think like seeing those interactions that you like, you you put in before you know you ever even step into like playing a game of magic with it like that's the stuff that is most satisfying it's like when you see those fun things go off yeah and you got to know when to pull the plug and i think that's like the most important thing for you know like what you were just saying ritter is like you had played it i don't know like three games maybe two or three games which you had already known like there's no sense in beating my head against this wall to see this food chain combo go off and generate infinite food that you know still doesn't necessarily mean you win the game and you, you just knew that you had to pull the plug and move on and, and find a different deck that maybe just does the thing that you wanted it that deck to do better or just mm-hmm. something different entirely. Um, I just like, uh, I think over time, like as we grow as players, the game has a shine to it initially that like, um, when either you've stepped away for a long time or you come to it and, you know, there's all these brand new cards. Maybe a friend has brought you to, you know, like to your draft and you're seeing all these things for the first time and you think, wow, this is actually a really crazy, unique game that allows me the unlimited uh, like creativity in, in deck building, especially with Commander. I think more than anything, like Constructed can get very like you can boil it down to and be very refined and uh, increase your win percentage like that through that method or you can play commander uh casually or competitively and just sort of like throw a hundred cards together uh that all have like similar text or similar effects and feel that like satisfaction of seeing those strategies come together like when i was a young player i built a dinosaur deck built around marath uh will of the wild and I thought that that was the perfect commander for dinosaurs. A friend had introduced me to to the commander and uh, the fact that it dealt one damage to dinosaurs so that I could trigger that enrage was something that I wanted to see. And I felt like that was, um, it was when I was a very young player, but it was, I felt like I had the most inspiration as a deck builder after seeing that engine come together. And it's made me want to rebuild the deck. But as I've grown, I've realized that I can't step backwards into those shoes because of uh everything i've seen and experienced so far there's a certain thing to be said like not knowing every magic card off the top of your head like definitely makes the game a much more like mysterious and wonderful enigma but now it's there's like, like infinite possibilities at that point yeah and you're just like i i started playing yuriko and that got me really into like refining magic and that's how i learned to like min max and kind of even breach into like a little more of a competitive strategy um, but I only knew the cards that went in there. And so I started seeing like, what is that? I have no idea what that does. And like, you know, so there's still cards that were viable for not only the deck I was playing, but when someone else showed up and it, I don't play green, white, like there was a million cards I'd never seen before. So, you know, there's like the, we're at the point, I feel like we have just instant recall. You can see a quarter of an image or you can just hear a name and you can like visually recall the entire card. Yeah. You can actually just scan a card for like two seconds and know whether or not it's good enough for the strategy you're trying to build. Yeah. So, I mean, and that definitely takes like some of that, like, you know, magical kid wonderland awesomeness out of the equation, maybe a little bit. That said, I mean, I, we still love and appreciate the game and stuff like that and jam on it. 
Like I hate that I can't play Plaxcaster Frogling in. There's in, the other side of it. You know, like, like in Atraxa. We are we are so refined and like competitive in the way we play, even outside of a traditional CDH standard. That like there's plenty of cards where we just like are not on the table for us. And so as like a deck builder, it can be difficult where you've now you've been playing for a few years and you have your pod like all set in stone, the people you love to play with, but ultimately you don't notice it happening at the time, but the card pool is shrinking around you. Even though the game is consistently moving forward and, and putting new sets out, you have found who you are as a player or you've, you're still figuring that out. And as you're figuring out who you are and what type of strategist you are, the number of cards that become viable to you shrinks. And that, so that can lead to uh, a lot of like uh, builder's block and just running into those like, well, I'm playing the same strategies over and over again. You know, it's just like, why am I doing that? And like uh, you just sit there and you wait for a new set to come out and hopefully it has a commander that intrigues you or, or interests you. And I think that ultimately becomes difficult in how you like branch you out know, into you know new I, colors. I ran into a problem that combines both of those things, you know, where you're railroading yourself into the same strategies and then a new set comes out and that sparks something. Uh, but I ran into a wall with that. I wanted to build around Lotho, Corrupt's Sheriff, in the command zone. And I found myself building an Orzov deck that was the exact same Orzov stack stack that I would build for any other commander. And just looking at it and be like, why don't I just play Timno plus something? Right, yeah. You have, just so you have those, those card packs in mind, you know, like you build Orzov, right? So you probably have, you know, 30 cards off the top of your head when you go to build a new deck. Same for me and Grixis. So like I start a new Moxfield deck. I could probably just generate 70 cards off the top of my head before I even start caring about like commander centric cards. Like I just know that if I'm playing. Yeah, yeah. So, if, so it just takes away your choices because you're just winnowing in on that same like card pool. Yeah. If you're playing white, you're playing blind obedience and Draneth magistrate. They're just too generically That's good yeah, and like, one sided. Yeah. So yeah, the card pool does sort of like shrink around you. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I only have 10 unique card slots and they have to be hyper focused towards what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, on, definitely on the far end of the CDH perspective. So how do you get out of that? Or, like, I guess, like, what are some ways that, like, jazz things up? I think you're right, like, um, new sets are an easy way for that. But that's not always a guarantee, right? Like, you sometimes it's, like, the kind of a dud set or it's nothing that you're really interested in. Like, for me, I used to be, I used to got get a lot of, like, gas from the Commander Precons. Um, and, like, I always found, like, lots of new stuff excited me from there. And there was usually some new brewing ideas i could go with um but like we were talking uh just the last episode it's like those just kind of suck now like they're they're, they're not lazy in design yeah a lot of times just lazy in design now they cost a hundred dollars for no reason and like, oh. and like they're not any better than some of the terrible ones i purchased because they're not all winners even though i would go about and buy all four like a lot of times it'd be like, all right, great. We can play some casual stuff and then I'll take some stuff and run with it. Like the last one I had fun with was on hello from, uh, new Capenna. new Capenna. Yeah. And I still really think that's a fun deck. Um, but like it's just fewer and far between. Yeah. I mean, I always look back at commander 2020. I think two decks that I loved from that set actually had two very unique, 
um, you know, lines of strategy where like Tayam, we're finally seeing that like come to fruition and, you know, compete at the highest level. I always knew it could. I knew it had the potential. We saw it combo off way too many times. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It just works. And it works through rule of law effects. Yeah. It's great. And then uh, the other one's Xeris, which is the deck that I still have built from that summer when we were playing over webcam through the pandemic. So, um, I think that when we finally took the plunge and decided that it was okay for everyone to proxy cards is when it like that I felt like the chains fall off for a while and that's when I built like Writhe and I rebuilt oh, yeah. Atraxa and I like I really thought you know hey I'm getting out of my funk here I'm making some new <laughs> stuff and uh, it turns out that some of these newer cards just don't work the way you hope they're not that good yeah and uh Turns out they used to make cards a lot stronger yeah or, or sometimes you know like politically you know if you'd listen to the show you know how my attracts a build turned out we did a a deck tech on it and then i tore it apart the next day because as soon as attracts shows up in the command zone like old attracts and not new one yeah it's your just too hated yeah it is too hated the political like environment around that card just leads to bad feels yeah. So the other thing I was going to say about kind of keeping it fun, keeping it fresh is like when you brought up Xeris, right? It's like we don't always have to play the most meta, you know, tournament grinder deck possible all the time. Yeah. Like I highly suggest that you have one deck that is the fun deck, the fun experience, the breather, right? The like, okay, I can pull up a little bit and I can look around and then like hang out, but still you're playing competitive game. And I think like, I think that's Xeris for you. I think that's Paco Heldon for me. You know, pick yeah. a deck that you just you find a weird strategy you want to see happen or, you know, the commander is just a little oddball commander. You're not going to find it on the CDH DDB, um, you know, find that thing and make it good, like for make sure. make it good. Yeah, because that's going to sure. push you For to me, some weird card like, choices. Oh, sorry. Uh, You're good. Like, you know, I gave up on that food deck and I just went back to Dina because Dina's a deck that I enjoy playing. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think sometimes when you run into a wall with like frustration with trying to do new things like you you know all that time that you spent like running into that wall you were actually spending time away from something you already enjoy and now you can go back to that thing that you already enjoyed with fresh eyes and like look at it differently or just enjoy the lines that are already in there yeah exactly that fresh perspective i think is huge too yeah it's it lends um to your own like mental like your own relief i think of like knowing hey i was in the right spot all along you know and and you try to stray i think the most important thing you can do as a player is branch out and play in new pods like play in new communities to see new strategies because that is going to give you new perspective on strategies you might like or totally you know like uh, it, it'll help you become more creative. I think that once the Lord of the Rings set dropped, I saw a lot more stuff that like I wanted to build around. Like I really want to make the Sam, like Sam Cauldron familiar line work out. So um, I'm super stoked about that. Like I still want to build that. And I think that's a great Tayom like build around, especially Necromancy, Protean Hulk. And so you can just go get that protected line and, win the game yeah i I think that deck made the uh top 16 at what was the tournament in atlanta over the weekend oh the cookout uh 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made the top 16 at the cookout. Very cool. I have not looked at the results of the cookout. Yeah, we're going to have to check out those deck lists. Shout out to I am. That's another thing is like go on Eminence and like I can put the link below in the description, but hop on Eminence if you're curious about like what the most powerful decks are right now or what are the most consistent ones are. And you'll find that a lot of the time it's the same pilot like over and over again, like grinding tournaments with this deck to like figure out how good it actually is. You can learn a lot from those people like... Uh, just today, Atlas had put his uh, uh, Kenrith deck in the Brew Buddies. And it's just like, hey, I'm still working on this. Always. Always every, working on this. He's thinking about it every single day he's awake. Yeah, because he's, you know, in a small way, hit a little hurdle where he's like, I don't know quite what direction to or go. What is, it, what is the perfect thing? Yeah, always, yeah, we're always trying to, you know, refine so, and push forward. Yeah, you know, it, and it's not to say that having having a little bit of a block is a good thing. Right, because it's it's pushing you to reach new heights. You're trying to find a way to uh to surmount that hurdle and push your deck in the right direction to being stronger, to be more consistent, to uh, doing the thing that you want it to do. So it's all that effort that goes towards it. And ultimately, what feels bad is when you put in all that effort and you get no results. Yeah, and that's just that's the life of a brewer. Sometimes you know it's like. You picked a commander that's just too scary and people have to kill it on sight. You know, like that was Rusty I, playing Kinnon back in the day. It's like, yeah, he p- wanted to play an honest to goodness Kinnon deck where you got to play tons of mana and put some really cool stuff out there. But because of the nature of the beast, like it's like you got to kill Kinnon. So I never stayed on the battlefield yeah. and he stopped playing that I mean, deck. <laughs> a, a lot of what it comes down to in magic is just losing is not fun. And naturally, if you're trying something new, you're brewing something new that you don't have reps with and that, like, especially if no one has reps with it, it's an untested strategy in general, not just with you, like, you're going to lose more games than something that you know and you're familiar with. So it can be frustrating. Totally, for sure. Yeah, I have, I can't tell you how many times I've showed up with a new deck and have just been hit a wall and it's because like you ultimately play against the same people a bunch of times and they're like you've won so many games i hate you for how many games you've won and it doesn't matter what commander you play i'm going to beat you into the dirt and rub your face in it so yeah that's another perspective you can't take everything um like you know if your pod uh does hate you out of games for certain reasons outside of your deck building control don't let that get to you like I said, just try to find a larger community, more people to play with, and, and that'll alleviate a lot of that stress. Because ultimately, there could be nothing wrong. And like you are you're past your builder's block, and it's uh, you're just not seeing the results you want based on for personal reasons. Yeah, commander is one of those weird things. Like you need four people to play it, so a lot of times people just have those four people to play, right? So it's just like it becomes a very like you know, closed off kind of chamber uh, and you don't have much outside interaction. So unless you're bringing that in, like, you know, and like, you know, people like content creators and then like bring up new concepts and stuff like that, but that doesn't always go well. Yeah. I think uh, a good way to sort of like round out our conversation on this is like, we've talked about a few strategies on how to get out of the funk. Right. And that's just like, try proxies right? Play a strategy you haven't seen before. Go do a little research, like dive in, see what other people are playing, see if that would be fun or if that looks fun to you. I always uh, say that uh, restrictions 
create, you know, good, like creative problem solving. So like, that's always good for me out, outside of magic and anything. It's just like, yeah. if you're stuck, you know, and you need to go somewhere or need to come up with something, I think, you know, give yourself some restrictions, pick a color that you don't usually play, pick a strategy. You don't usually play a win condition, build around it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm a Naya King. I love Naya and pretty much every deck I build is Naya. It would, do me some good to actually play a Demir deck. I mean, that's what Ritter's saying, right? Just like he goes to build an Orzov deck and he already knows like the 99. Yeah. And, like that's me and Grixis. So, you know, it's good to challenge I, yourself outside of the comfort zone. Yeah. And it actually makes me want to build. Like if there's one deck that you guys could say that you're like looking to build like right now, something out of your comfort zone, something that like, cr- like spurs on your creativity, like what would it be? That's actually what I was going to bring up next is like, okay. how, what are we excited to like brew now? You know, like yeah. out of, out of the rut. Chris, are you working on anything? Are you still playing Dina? Uh, you know what? I haven't played any games. <laughs> That's in true. A while. We've, we've been a little busy, boys. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you, the most recent thing I tried to brew was that Orzob Lotho deck that I gave up on. They're not all winners. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. No, but uh, again, it made me excited to just be like, well, you know what? I, I do want to just get some reps with Dina. I want to get some reps with Yoshimaru Kedris. I want to get some reps with Borgamos. Like, you know. It made me excited to just like play the decks I already have. Hell yeah. I'm uh, very excited to play against Mordina. Um, yeah, I'll say so. One I will say that I'm really interested in is circling back to, which is not 100% playing out of my comfort zone, is I do want to try and hello CDH. That's my next Grixis list I'm going to test out. I think there's just, it plays on a weird pivot that just people don't know how to play against. There's a huge restriction. And there's a huge yeah. restriction, right? So even within what uh, my comfort zone, yeah, it's a new restriction. So I'm going to be trying that out, and that's very fun. Um, but as far as like getting a little further outside of it, I want to try a whole new strategy I've never played before. I've never played Protean Hulk decks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're very interesting. I like watching Chris play his. Um, and so I do want to try um, a, a Protean Hulk deck. I want to do uh, Tevesh Kodama. And I want to, I want to, Oh yeah. So Tavesh is, now, a, is that like another version of like, you know, where you're taking Grixis in the chunky mid range version. Now you're doing that with, you know, abs and colors. Exactly. Yes. Or, uh, it would just be, um, black green, but yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Golgari. Yeah. Golgari colors. Yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, it's that like mid range thing. Both pieces are incredible mid range engines, right? Like, uh, Tavesh mm. is crazy draw engine. And then Kodama is fantastic for getting around rule of law type stacks because it's your spells are essentially two for one. Um, so it's a great way for breaking parity on that. Um, the other thought is playing like Timna, so you get the additional color, but I do like the um, having the sack out in the command zone. Um, so it's something I've never played before, and I happen to see a really cool deck. Uh, shout out Kai, Fervent Alchemist, dropping that sick list. That made me very excited. That was, uh, you know, like you have said, it's rare you kind of get those pings of excitement, Those like when you're so in the game all the time. So seeing like just a different Avenue really like, kind of piqued my interest. Yeah. That's actually a uh, good shout. Kai, he's always been a, a great deck builder and a you, great, you, you, a great influence on the format. Totally. He's like, has great unique lists all the time. I would say that for me, the two decks that I'm excited to build are actually both from the same set. The commanders are both from the same set and it is from the Lord of the Rings. I am. I really want to try to build Lord of the Nazgul like three blue black wraith noble you know like uh wraiths you control have protection from ring bearers and whenever you cast an instant source you create a wraith and then you have so many they all become nine nines like i think that's just like that big ridiculous stompy like 
just stompy enough to win games at the CDH level. And I've seen it. Like I saw one of these decks make top 16. So love it. Love it. it. Yeah. You know, so I I have my own influence and my own, you know, creativity and my own strategies, the the lines that I walk that I feel like I could play that deck and actually punch face and do it well. So that's one. I would love the idea of watching you play Demir. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Being responsible. Nah. The polar to polar opposite two colors from what you always play. Yeah. And, uh, the other one is uh, I want to play Sauron, the Dark Lord. So Grixis, which is my antithesis yes. as well. I love it. Because uh, I know there's a few combo lines out there that intrigue me, like the birthday, it's like birthday getaway or whatever from Lord of the Rings. It's one blue mana that... Uh, oh, birthday escape? Yeah, birthday escape, where you, you what draw a card and then uh, the ring tempts you. Oh, so it's like another... So with... It's uh, like a brain freeze with... Elite yes so breach yeah so with breach it is just straight up like uh, just another version of yeah brain freeze so i think that's a really cool line that's pretty cool um also i do love the fact that it has such a powerful ward ability and then it also has whenever an opponent casts a spell do something i think that's also a very powerful effect it's a very powerful effect. so it's crazy that i wish i had bought these sooner or i wish i'd gotten a real copy sooner because at launch nobody respected this card they thought it was oh, is just, it expensive now? it's it's expensive now no um it's like it's nearing the fifteen to twenty dollar range, which is respectable. It is reasonable too because of how powerful the card is. No, I think it'd be really fun. I would like to see either of those at a CDH tournament. I think we could see some more fun shit at CDH tournaments if we just tried a little harder. Yeah, I mean that was my whole experience in Moscow, which and I had a great time playing Zerus. You know, there's just the the brewer in me that sees the fallacies of the deck that makes me want to revisit the list to make it even more competitive to take to a tournament to actually make top 16 with it. If I could do that, I'd be a happy, happy boy. It's an uphill battle, but I have to say, you know, doing well with like a, a weirdo list uh, in a competitive game, it's very satisfying. Yo, totally. It doesn't work as much a lot of the time. Sometimes you play against Kenrith Ninjila Blue Farm and your weird ass, you know, list. The RNG would have to be real so in your favor to like beat out those more consistent uh, deck lists. Just be better, dude. Just be better. Just be better. Skill issue. Play fourteen tutors, and that way your your con- card consistency is just just through the roof, man. Exactly. That's me. All I do is play tutors, and I win yeah. all the time. I can't tell you how many hands I've had where it's like four tutors, and that's it. What do you do with tutors? Tutor for a tutor? I watched someone do that. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I do it all the time. I feel like we're devolving. <laughs> I think we've said all we need to say. Yes. Chris, you got any last thoughts? What's up, guys? <laughs> we are indeed devolving. Yeah. We are. We're falling. <laughs> it's falling through our fingers, slow, slowly. So any final thoughts, yeah. my dude? uh no just uh hit me up let's play some games on spell table yeah chris just got a new setup yeah we're going to be like we said if you want to get into cdh or you want to jam games hit us up on the discord link below yeah you can find the link in the description if you want to support the show you can do so by liking subscribing and hitting that little bell on youtube for more notifications uh and then uh also share like just share the podcast if you got friends out there who are trying to get into the game or who are already patrons of the game share the podcast send it along uh, it goes a long way for us every Maybe you're trying to get your counts. pod to grow into you know a little more open-minded 
you know, CDH leaning. We've got some pretty like harsh, strict opinions, unwavering. We don't we don't bend or break or whatever. So, or you know, there are times when we might rub people the wrong way. Is that how we want to identify ourselves? No, 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 no. We're the complete opposite of that. I promise you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I even put that thought out there. Uh, so yeah, anyway, uh, check our link tree down below. Make sure you rate us on uh, Spotify. We've been saying that the last few episodes, I'd like to shout out that we are actually crushing it with the five-star on Spotify right now. Hey! Um, and the last little tidbit I'll leave y'all with is this. I just opened my Moxfield account, and I have exactly 69 deck lists. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. This has been the Moxstars Podcast. I, I just opened mine. I have 420. Really? No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. Oh, you, oh. You're like you're just the <laughs> avid brewer over yeah. there. It's like, oh damn. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be to shame. It's just another funny number. <laughs> <laughs> I do want that 420 Ragavan. What up? Oh, shout out. Just ten thousand dollars. All right, guys. We gotta go. Otherwise, we'll just keep talking about random shit. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.